Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. For many, our country has never felt more divided, racially, politically, spiritually. People are hurting and feel angry, afraid and confused. Who will heal our land? Only God can bring healing and reconciliation where we need it most. Through Christ, we can embrace race, experience unity, oneness, all despite who our next president is. The solution starts with God. In this series, we will ask God to heal the divided states of America and each week give a solution on where we can start now. Welcome to The Exchange. Super glad that you guys are here. We're going to have an awesome day today. And uh, we have technical... pray and be dismissed. Father, bless them today, God. Have mercy on them. <laughs> wow. Uh, over the last several weeks, we had been having a, a, a minor competition in which the Texans won. They raised way more money. <sighs> and so, as a result, today I will be a Texan fan. I will, I will not bash my boys. But I will be a Texan fan, and I will cheer us on as we face Minnesota Vikings. So today, if you want to see the results of this, I will be posting live from Pastor Eddie's house. We're going over to Eddie's house to uh, watch the game. So I will be doing some live Facebook posts as I cheer on uh, these Texans. I'm so excited. <laughs> This is going to be so much fun. And so we're going to cheer them on, and I'll be wearing this in public today. I don't even know. I don't really even want to preach, honestly. I'm just kidding. But we're glad that you're here. Uh, this was a, a fun competition. 
Uh, we're in the middle of a building program, uh, trying to raise money to purchase this building. And uh, so we had a little competition, which the Texans won. So, K said I said I. Whatever will be, will be. Anyway, over the next few weeks, we're going to start a brand new series, and it's called Divided States of America. Now, this is not going to be a gloom and doom message to the church. Uh, it's not going to be uh, a message of how we're just dead and dying and, and everything's going to hell. But this is actually going to be some truth on, on where we are as a nation, where we are as a church, where we are as a kingdom, as the body of Christ. Social media and the news media have gone out of their way to manipulate the truth and make everything so negative and so gloom and doom and, and we're in this great war and everything has fallen apart and grab your children and, and homeschool them because our school system is, is in, the, in the trash. And that is not the truth, okay? I didn't hear a lot of amens there. You don't have to agree with me, but that's not really the truth. Okay, America's got some issues, but they're not new issues, and we've addressed, and we've repaired, and we've fixed, and we've made some great strides as a nation, and I'm still today proud to be an American, amen? amen? For many people, our country's not ever felt more divided, racially divided, politically divided, spiritually divided. People are hurting, angry, and afraid, and confused, and they're asking, who will heal our land? Well, we're going to answer that through the course of this series. But the truth is, only God can heal and reconcile this broken land. Amen? Amen. Through Christ, we have to embrace unity. We have to embrace oneness and understand that we are God's children. We are God's chosen people. And he picked you and he picked me to walk and, and inhabit this planet for such a time as this. And I don't think it was by accident. I think it was strategic that he knew that you would be available to make a stand when nobody else was standing. Amen? So you young people, he picked you to live today in what some people say is the hardest day to live in as a teenager. And he picked you. Why? Because he trusted you. He trusted you that you could make a difference. We live in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we've lost some of that. But I admire our forefathers. This week, I spent... A lot of time, I read the Constitution, I read the Declaration of Independence again, and, and it just reminds me how proud I am to be an American. We were founded upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. You get that, right? I mean, when, when we stood before Great Britain and we decided that we were going to take our independence and we were going to become a nation... When we stood in front of Great Britain, we cited 27 biblical violations as to why we were going to pull and become an independent nation. Think about that. 27, we stood in front of Great Britain. We said, look, you are not acknowledging the word of God. And we're going to stand true to the convictions of what the word of God says. And because of that, we're going to, make, we're going to become our own nation. Did you know that? I mean, we were founded upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. George Washington said, it is impossible, everybody say impossible, to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. The Congress in 1782 
the United States Congress recommends, and this is a quote, recommends and approves the Holy Bible for use in all schools. Our Congress did that. They also are quoted in this. The United States Congress assembled, recommended this edition of the Bible to the inhabitants of the United States. A neat edition of the Holy Scriptures for use of all public schools. The Congress... The United States Congress gave us a Bible and said, hey, use this in the schools. This is a great tool to put in all the public schools. That's an America that we've kind of forgotten about. In 1864, by law, the United States Congress adds to the U.S. coinage, in God we trust. John Adams, uh, he was the second president of the United States, the first president. Vice President ever, signer of the Declaration of Independence, signer of the Bill of Rights, signer of the First Amendment, said this. Some of you follow me on social media. I posted this. He said, the Constitution, our Constitution, was made only for a moral, religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. You want to know what the problem is with America? I just read it. America was, was founded upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. And John Adams is saying, look, look, our constitution was designed for people with morals, for people of religion that, that understand the word of God. And if you don't have morals and you don't understand the word of God, then our constitution is kind of inadequate. That's what he's saying. John Adams and John Hancock, when they stood before Great Britain, they said this, we recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. Woo! Isn't that powerful? That's our founding fathers. Patrick Henry said it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm proud to be an American. And, and, and we've slowly forgotten that this is our heritage. This is who we are. And, and, and as the church, we have to stand strong and hold fast to the convictions of the men who founded this great nation. Abraham Lincoln was elected in Congress, uh, elected to Congress in 1874. The Mexican War was going on. Uh, and Lincoln opposed the war, and he gave all these anti-war speeches, and so his political supporters had a big issue with this, so he knew it, he wasn't going to be reelected as president. So when at the end of his term in 1849, he returned to Illinois to practice law. And then in 1858, he was nominated by the Republican Party uh, for the state Senate in Illinois. Addressing the state convention at Springfield, he gave his first the first of his memorable speeches. And he grabs the podium. And there's a few pictures of this as, as they sketched and, and drew this out. It's really powerful. He grabs the podium with these giant hands and he, he declares slowly and firmly, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Wow. He's talking about, at this time, he's talking about a nation that's divided on the issue of slavery. Okay, so he's he's declaring that we have a problem in America and a house divided against itself cannot stand. That is one of the most powerful statements I think he could have ever made. And, and he came up with that all by himself. No, 
No, no, no, no, no. In the, in the, in the word of God, three of the four gospels makes the same statement. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, Mark chapter 3, verse 25, and Luke chapter 11. So if you would stand with me this morning, we're going to read one of these passages. Jesus is being accused of driving out demons in the name of Belzebub, okay? Now, G, uh, the Pharisees believed that he was the ruler of the demons, okay? So he's in, in cohorts and cahoots with, with the enemy. And so Jesus makes a statement, Luke chapter 11, verse 17. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Father, I pray right now, God, as we, as we start this series on divided states of America, I pray, God, that our eyes are open. Lord, that you empower us as, as men and women of God, that you empower us as the church, as you, you empower us as children of the kingdom, God, to make a stand and make a difference, God. Lord, America is not gone. It's not too far gone, Father. But I, I pray right now that we as a church, we stand strong, Lord. We stand strong in our faith and our convictions and through the anointing that you've given us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. This kind of distracts me right here on the side. All I see is horns. And I'm trying to preach about the word of God and I see these horns like staring at me. I feel like the enemy's trying to do something this morning. He's not going to, it's not going to happen. I'm kidding. Go Texans. (laughs) Jesus, he brushes off these accusations uh, with logic. They're accusing him of, of being in a league with the prince of demons because he has power over the demons. He's casting out demons. They're listening to him, and they're leaving. And so the Pharisees are going, hey, you must be one of them because they're listening to you. You have power over them. And, and he's saying, listen, whoa, 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 whoa. Satan wouldn't attack his own people. Satan wouldn't attack his own subjects. Otherwise, his kingdom would be divided. And so a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. We live in a nation right now that, that by a lot of accounts seems pretty divided. And, uh, and we can thank Facebook and Twitter and social media. We can thank uh, the news media for that because, man, they just keep cramming in our face, cramming in our face every day how divided we are as a nation and, and how everything is just going to pot. The, the Democrats are destroying the Republicans. The Republicans are destroying the Democrats. And, and it, everything is so messy right now. But is it? We're separated from the world by our belief in the word of God. And nothing will ever change that. Amen? It's not going to fade away. But at the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 1, uh, when the church is starting to be um, brought together and, and, and established, there was unity. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 it says, The apostles were all with one accord in one place. When the church was established from the very beginning, the thing that had to happen for the church to be established was they were in unity. And we know that it had to happen because it's recorded there. 
And I believe that the Bible is without error. It's infallible. And if it was put there for a reason, and they make a, a statement, and they say that the disciples were all together. There were, there were 120 people packed in this room. And the Bible says they were all in one mind and one accord. They were all focused on the same thing. There was unity there. The church is a, a fellowship of faith, hope, and love, and that binds us together. But in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 3, it says, make every effort. Somebody say every. every. Come on, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Our job as the church is exactly that. That we're to make every effort to bring peace, to find resolution, to stand when we need to stand, but not to stand to divide, stand to bring together. I'm going to tell you a story of three little pigs. There was these three little pigs. <coughs> Have you heard this story? Um, the first pig, he builds his house out of straw. And the big bad wolf, he comes by and he huffs and he puffs and he blows the little pig's house down. The second pig builds his house out of sticks. And the big bad wolf comes by and he huffs and he puffs and he blows the little pig's house down. But the third little piggy, he builds his house out of brick. And the big bad wolf comes. And he huffs. And he puffs. And he huffs. And he puffs. This, I know y'all never heard this before. And he huffs. And he puffs. And he doesn't blow the house down. Because that little piggy built his house with brick. Okay? So this pig built his house with the right stuff. Now God has built his church with the right Stuff. The right stuff. Oh, isn't that powerful? That's the wrong series. Wrong series. That was the last series. That was the last series. I apologize. I put on this jersey and New Kids of the Block came out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Go Texans. SWAT attack or whatever this. Swat it. <laughs> that was the last series. My bad. This is Divided States of America. When God built his church, he built it with the right stuff. Do you believe that? But if you looked at his material list, the list of materials, as he built his church, you wouldn't think that he was building the right church that was going to stand because his list of materials were a little bit sketchy. Paul, he writes to the church at Ephesus, and he tells them this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rulers of the kingdom of air, the spirits who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Okay, do you notice what he used to build his church? Sinners. 
okay? When, when God steps onto the scene, God takes a bunch of sinners and he uses sinners to build his church. He says, we were dead in our sins and in transgression, okay? We were a mess. We were objects of wrath. God didn't save us because we deserve to be saved. He saved us because of his great love for us. Isn't that powerful? I mean, you got to get that. God didn't save you because you, you came from the right family. You came on the scene at the right time. God saved you because he has this incredible love for you. And while you're in the middle of your sin and transgression, and while nobody else wants you, God picked you. He picked you. So when God built his church, he built it with a bunch of misfits, losers. In the third century, there was a, a debate I found online. It's pretty cool. And it's this pagan and Christian. And the pagan declares, when most people go forth to teach, they cry, Come to me, you who are clean and worthy. And then they're followed by the highest caliber of people available. But your silly master cries, come to me, you who are down and beaten by life. And so he accumulates around him the ragtag bobtail of humanity. The Christian replied, yes, they are the ragtag bobtail of humanity. But Jesus doesn't leave them that way. Out of the material that you would have thrown away as useless, he fashions men, giving them back their self-respect, enabling them to stand on their feet and to look God in the eyes. They were cowed, cringing, and broken things, but the Son of God has set them free. That's you and that's me. Do you get that? That's you and that's me. You were broken. You were messed up. You were jacked up. But God came and he picked you and he fashioned you and he made you perfect. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, he has made you perfect. Perfect. And that is how he builds his church. You were useless, broken rejects. And God took people like us and he built this church. The thing about it is when he takes people out of sin... And he builds his church sometimes, and if you've been around church long enough, you know what I'm talking about here. Sometimes we bring some of those bad habits into the church with us. You know what I'm talking about? See, it's kind of like that saved soul, wasted life. We, we, don't have, we haven't changed our mentality. We haven't been set free yet. We're saved, but we haven't been set free of some of the things holding us back. In the days of Paul, there was division in the church. So for the first three or four years, and I'm going to paint kind of a picture for you. Um, for the first three or four years, Christians were Jews who had been baptized, okay? There were no Gentiles in the church during this time at the beginning. At the beginning of the church, there were no Gentiles. And so just so you can be clear, a Jew was a person born of the tribe of Judah, okay? All the rest of Israel had been swept away by invading forces, okay? So you had to be born a Jew to be a Jew. And everyone else was considered a Gentile. And then there's this thing called circumcision. All the Jewish men were circumcised and the Gentiles were not. Now do I need to explain circumcision? Good, because I'd rather not. So basically, basically, Gentiles consisted of everyone who wasn't a Jew. And for centuries, the Jews hated 
the Gentiles, okay? The Gentiles, they called them dogs. They were low life. They were considered, considered offensive and unworthy of God. Uh, they refused to eat with them. And if they had to go to the store, to the market, and they bought anything from a Gentile, no matter what it was, the Bible tells us that they washed it. They washed it to cleanse it of its filth. Okay? And that was, that was the, the conflict between Jews and Gentiles. And then God changed things. Okay? God comes in and he, he totally flips script on everybody. And he allows Gentiles into the kingdom. Into the church. Ooh, this is a big deal. Okay? Gentiles are the low life. They don't deserve God, okay? They don't, they don't fit in with all of us upper-class, high-level citizens. These Gentile dogs, are you serious? And God comes in, and he, he has this plan, and he allows Gentiles to come into the church, and he makes a statement that Gentiles can become Christians, and they don't have to be circumcised. Oh, oh you done made some Jewish people mad. So you're going to come to my church, so you can come to my church and be a Christian? And, and he didn't have to be like me. He didn't have to dress like me. He didn't have to act like me. He didn't have to talk like me. You, do you know who his dad is? He smells funny. He smells funny. I'm just saying. When he walked in, he smelled funny. You know, those kind of things bother us. You, have you ever seen that? And, and I don't know if you guys remember. It was, it was probably a year ago, maybe. We had a homeless guy come in. Y'all remember that? And he had come and sat on the front row, and he was really disruptive during service. And at the end of the service, everybody's given an offering, and he came up and gave me a dollar. Throughout the whole service, we watched, everybody watched him. You couldn't help it, but you watched him. And you know what? Subconsciously, we kind of made a decision that he didn't really fit in, you know. One of us is not like the other. Y'all remember that Sesame Street song? That... We, we say we're not that way, that the church is not that way. We love and we accept people and we want people to come into the kingdom. But as soon as they cross what we have set as our own guidelines and our own standards and our own convictions. You know, when I was a little kid, you couldn't wear shirt, uh, shorts to church. Okay? You don't wear shorts to church. And I remember moving to this town uh, where Ke Pastor Kevin lived. And the first time I went to church there, they had on shorts. All the little kids that were my age had on shorts. It's like, well, they all wearing shorts. Well, you don't wear shorts. You wear pants in the house of God. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> so there were standards. There were things. So since he wore shorts... He obviously didn't respect God the way I respected God because you don't wear shorts and house of God according to my mom. So your mom must not be up there with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And, and we do that. And we're laughing right now because we think it's funny, but we do that. We all have our own standards and expectations of what church should be, what church should be like. And when we cross the lines of what we think church should be like, then immediately we start saying, no, well, that's, no, no. And we get all kind of bent out of shape, right? And so that's what's happening. And so the Jews, they start going around to these Gentile churches like in Ephesus. They start going to these churches, and the Jews are telling them, hey, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, welcome to the kingdom. I'm glad you're here, but you know that you're not circumcised, so God doesn't love you. 
But hey, man, you know, he's not going to accept you in a church. <laughs> hey, I, I, nice to meet your wife, too, and, and you're not circumcised. Your kids are going to go to hell, okay? <laughs> hey, but the church is growing. That's awesome. Hey, um, have you told your friend back there that he's not circumcised? He's going to go to hell, too. Okay, so um, everybody in this church in Ephesus, you're going to go to hell, okay? And that's what the Jews started doing, really. That's exactly what started happening. They started building these walls up, these dividing walls, and they started deciding who could and who could enter into the kingdom of God. And so Paul, he, he sees this, and so he addresses this in Ephesians chapter 2. He addresses the church at Ephesus. Now he's talking to, you got to remember, he's talking to Gentiles here. Okay, he's talking to the Gentiles, the ones who have recently come into the kingdom, and he says this, remember that formerly you who were, you are Gentiles by birth and are called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done by, by the, uh, in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, everybody say, but now. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier. The dividing wall of hostility. So Paul, he, call, he writes to the church. He sees what's going on. He sees what the Jews are saying, what the Jews are trying to stir up. The Jews are trying to build a wall. These Christian people, these people who know who God is, who have, have, have been picked out as the children of God, they're starting to build up these dividing walls. And they're starting to say, well, you, I mean, you, you're not like us. You're not like us. So Paul addresses the church. He's like, listen. Listen, exchange, I'm telling you that the two have now become one, okay? The barriers, the dividing walls have been destroyed through the blood of Jesus Christ, okay? That's what Paul's saying. So this Jewish circumcision party is trying to raise these walls and build dividing walls but the, to the Gentiles that weren't circumcised. But Paul comes in and says, there's no walls. There's no walls. Okay, church, there's no walls. Anybody who wants God in their life has got him. Anybody who wants a relationship with Jesus Christ has got him. Well, but you don't know. They don't even read their Bible. Anybody who wants a relationship with Jesus Christ got it. Done. But they don't even pray. Anybody who wants a relationship with Jesus Christ they're divorced. Anybody who wants a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they're an addict. Anybody, they're an alcoholic. Anybody, anybody, okay? Anyone. There's, there's no disclaimer on here. Read the fine print. You know those commercials? I don't understand like these commercials who say, hey, if you have a problem, do you go to the bathroom more than once at night? And I'm like, yeah, I do. 
so what? And they're like, well, you need this. And they're like, this pill right here will help you take care of that problem. And then for the next 10 minutes in the commercial, it's like, but it also makes you vomit. It makes you this, makes you this. You can't operate heavy machinery. You can't have a life. You can't be a husband. You can't be a dad. You're going to die. Your whole life's going to fall apart. Everything's going to, you know, they give you this list of everything that's going to happen. You take this one pill, it's going to help one thing. That's not the way it is in the kingdom of Christ. You don't have to change everything to get God, okay? Everyone in this room right now, the Bible makes a promise to you that all you have to do is accept him into your life, acknowledge the fact that he died for your sins and that he rose again. You acknowledge that and the Bible says it's done. It's done. He extends that grace to you and that dividing wall is broken and it's over. Galatians 3.28 tells us, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Then Paul drives this home. uh, Paul expanded on this a couple chapters later. He says this in Ephesians 4. There is one body... One spirit, just as you were called, one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and he is in all. One God, one God. This is not denominations. Man established denominations because we can't handle having disagreements with other people. I believe the Bible says this. Well, I see that verse that you're talking about, but I don't think it means that. I, make, I think it means this. Fine, you take you and your family. Y'all go start your own church. I'm going to start my church. We're going to believe this. And that's how denominations are formed. Denominate, it wasn't a holy thing. God didn't pick and separate all this stuff. So don't be confused by that. Okay? And I'm not bashing any denomination. I'm just telling you, that's how the, the denominations are formed. Satan loves to create walls. He likes to turn man against man. He likes to turn the church against herself. He's trying to turn America against herself right now. And he's, he's creating all these dividing walls. Black lives matter. Blue lives matter. Clown lives matter. Okay? It's just wall. Wall after wall after wall. All lives matter. That's just the truth. Amen? So we need to get off these little soapboxes of trying to, to try to pick a side. Don't pick a side. We are the side. Okay, divide the walls. There's no side. All lives matter. The church has got to stand up and make a difference in the kingdom of God. Modern science has helped us create this bigotry by telling us there's several different kinds of races of people. There are people who have dark colored skin, so they must be the black race. There's people that have slanted eyes, kind of yellowish skin. They're called the Asian race, the Oriental race. Then there's the white people. They're called the white race. They have this light-colored skin. We're called the white race. I asked Peyton to go get me her crayon box last night. She got me her crayon box. I pulled out a white crayon. I ain't white. I just found that out. I've been lied to my whole life, told I was white. I ain't white because I pulled out a white crayon. I don't look like that. That's not even white. I don't look like this, okay? Now, I might be kind of peachy or whatever, but I ain't white. That's just a fact. So I, my whole life, I thought I was white. I ain't white. 
But what I have found out is that there's one race of people. We all came from one couple, Adam and Eve, and we are descendants from that one couple. And, and, and we have different shades and different colors. Some of us tan easy. Some of us have freckles. But we are one race of people. One race of people. Anybody ever heard of Mahatma Gandhi? He was rejected. He rejected Christianity because Christianity rejected him. He heard about Jesus. He listened to the stories of Jesus. So he was intrigued and wanted this Jesus. So he goes to a church, and this is a true story. He goes to a church, a Christian church, sets in, and they tell him, you don't belong here. There is a church for people like you right down the street. So as he leaves, he's quoted saying this, if this is how Christians treat others, I might as well remain a Hindu. He's even recorded several times talking about Jesus, talking about the powerful teachings of Jesus and what kind of man Jesus was. But he wanted nothing to do with Christianity because in his mind, Jesus and Christianity, two different things. Okay? Christians are mean. Christians are judgmental. Christians are abusive. Christians are super hyper spiritual. Jesus was this awesome man who loved like nobody. Gandhi liked that guy. Wanted nothing to do with Christians. Can you imagine the impact he would have had on the, the nation of India? Can you imagine... Can you imagine, had, had the church been what the church was supposed to be and not had any dividing walls, can you imagine if he would have come in and said, you know what, I want this Jesus in my life. The influence that man could have had on, on India. Wow. Wow. We're all one race. We're descended of one man, one woman. We're all made in the image of God. But let me tell you something, if you're a Christian, you're more than that. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've acknowledged that you've sinned and you made mistakes and, and repented of that, if you confess Jesus as your Lord, you live for him, you're more than just a part of a race. You're a part of the kingdom of God and your family. Galatians 3.28 says, you are all one in Christ. I was reading that makes me think of a story and you go read, I'm, Fact check me on this because I don't remember exactly. But I believe it's the end of Mark chapter 3. Uh, like verse 30-ish, 30, somewhere in there, 32 or 35. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus was in this house. And he's sitting with a crowd of people in a house. And so a messenger comes in and says, hey, Jesus, your brother and your mother, your brothers and your mother's outside. And Jesus says this. The Bible says he looked around at the crowd that was around him and said, um, my mother, my brothers are right here. He says, anyone who does the work of God is my brother, my sister, my mother. See, there, there's a point where every wall drops. Every wall drops. You hear the saying, blood is thicker than water. Every wall drops. When it's the kingdom of God, we've all been covered by that blood. And that blood is Jesus Christ. And so our pastors here at the church, 
And, and I, I think they know this, but just a reminder to them, I've got their back. It doesn't matter what they do, what they say, what mistakes they make, I have their back. I have their back. To you, the church, it doesn't matter who you are. One of the things that, that you may learn about me eventually is, is one of my gifts is grace. I have this gift of grace. I'm, I'm a second chance kind of guy. And I've got your back. I tell people all the time, everything is fixable. Do you believe that? You didn't all, you didn't all say amen. Do you believe everything is fixable? There's, there's no place you can go. There's no, no mistake that you can make that's so far gone that God can't restore it. And I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. And, and, and I, I want you to understand that, that everything is fixable. Isn't that the way the church should be? Isn't that the way the church should be to every person that walks into this door? It doesn't matter who they are, where they are, where they came from, that, that they know when they look at us, everything is fixable. We say on our wall, we do second chances. Ephesians says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. He prepared that for us in advance. We are the building blocks of the church, okay? We are the living stones that he used to fashion and form this church. Everybody say, I am the exchange. I have a mission. You have a mission. And our mission as a church is to go and pull people out of the gates of hell. When Peter said that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God, and he was commended for it and declared, Jesus declared that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God saved us so that you can storm the gates of hell, so you can stand up when all the world seems to be falling down around you, and you can make a difference. You can stand up when everybody's divided, everybody's confused. Let me tell you something right now. I, it doesn't matter who is president. You, you hear me? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote for the person that I feel like in the future is going to set us up the best with the cabinet and the house. So I'm going to vote. I'm not telling you I'm not going to vote. But I'm telling you, I ain't worried about it. Okay? I'm not worried about it so much so that I'm going to get on and bash and bash and bash and trash and trash and trash. I've got one thing in mind, and that is the Bible says that all authority, all authority comes from him. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows when it's going to happen. All I know is that my eyes can't be fixed on who our next president is. Because our next president is not going to save America. Okay? Our next president is not going to change America. You know who is? The church. And the biggest issue with the church today is we forgot who we are. Not Even more than that, we not just forgot who we are, but we forgot who he is. Okay? And it's not our president that's going to come in and be the superhero of America. It's the church that goes, you know what? I remember why we were founded. I remember we were founded because of our convictions of the word of God. And we're going to stand strong. And we're not going to stand strong and picket and march and try to, to raise hell everywhere we go. But we're going to stand strong and we're going to do everything we can to bring peace. To bring peace, to love people, to love people beyond their decisions. Amen? Yeah. 
That's our mission as Americans. Satan fears us because we're a powerful church and we have to figure out a way to tear down walls. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come back. We don't tear down the walls by going up to people and going, hey, you, you're a mess. You need Jesus. That's not the way it works. You build relationships with people. Have you ever done that? Have you ever found somebody that you don't know, that you have nothing in common, There's, you, you, don't, you don't find a lot of similarities, but you learn how to be their friend? Anybody? I've done that a few times. I've done that a few times over the last few years. I'll tell you a story. When I was in Wichita Falls, we had a program called Adopt-A-Block. And uh, uh, we had, when we first started it, we had 15 blocks. And in this area, they called the Dog Patch. That's what this area was called. I don't know exactly why it was called Dog Patch, but it was called Dog Patch. And most of the area was Spanish-speaking. And... uh, so we had this block, and I was the assistant block pastor. We had this lady. Her name was uh, Diana. She was the block pastor, and I was on her block. And I took like three or four kids from my youth group, and that was our block. And, man, we loved it. We had about 12 people total on our block, and we had the best time. When you pull up to Dog Patch, you go to the first house on this side, and we would say hello and go to the house on this side. But the second house was surrounded by these big evergreen trees, and nobody would ever answer the door. And uh, it had, I can't remember what the, the card said, but it was a Catholic card that they stuck in the window, basically saying this house is protected and it's Catholic and don't, don't knock. So we would knock on the door and try to get somebody to come to the door. Nobody would ever come to the door. And occasionally we would see the curtains move and you could tell somebody was kind of peeking at us. Nobody would come. So about a month goes by and nobody ever comes to the house. So I'm out of town one day, one Saturday. The next week I come back and we meet for Adopt a Block. We pray that morning and we all go out to, to just meet, see our neighbors. And we painted fences. We changed light bulbs. We installed uh, air conditioner unit. I mean, we did all kinds of stuff, whatever they need. But mostly we would walk down the street, pick up all their trash and just say hi and love people. We didn't tell them we were part of a church. We just loved people for about three months before we'd tell them why we're doing what we're doing. I show up the next week after I'd been gone, and they say, Pastor Jared, we need to tell you something before you go out because we don't want you to die. I was like, what? And they were like, you know that one house right over there with the evergreens? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, she answered the door. And I was like, she did? And they were like, yeah, and she is the devil. They're like, she is mean, mean, mean. She opened the door and they said she cussed us out. She called the police on them. Said, don't ever step foot on my property again. I'll call the police again. She just ripped them up. And they're like, so we just wanted to tell you. Because we were all like, watch Pastor Jared. He's going to go to that house and he's going to get shot. And I was like, really? So she answered the door and they're like, yeah. And I was like, sweet. So I went straight to her house. (laughs) And I had a guy, his name was Jamie Eaton, uh, with me. He was a kid in my youth group. Never forget this guy. And uh, so Jamie Eaton's with me. And we walk up to the house, and he's like, are you going to stand on the porch? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to knock on the door. So I knock on the door. I back up a little bit. My heart's kind of pumping. You know, I'm kind of trying to gather what I'm probably going to say. to him. Jamie is like 10 feet behind me. 
He's just watching. And everybody else is across the street with their bags watching me. I see the curtains move. Nothing. So I knock on the door again. I see the curtain move. I knock on the door again. Wham! That door flies open. And she opens the door and I went, whoa! Like that. And she's just staring at me and I said, I said, okay, I'm leaving. I'm sorry. I said, wow. I said, I just had to see for myself. I said, everybody over there was telling me. Everybody on this block has been telling me. I didn't believe it. I had to just come see it for myself. I'm sorry. I'm leaving. And she's just looking at me. And I said, everybody was telling me the most beautiful person in the whole block lives at this house. And I was like, no way. And it's true. I'm out of here. And she's holding the screen door. She looked at me. and She goes, I love you. And I said, and I love you. And she goes, I love you. So I love you. And I said, ma'am, I just wanted you to know that we didn't ever want to bother you. And I said, but I do want you to know that I, I honestly love you. And she said, well, the reason that I have such an issue with y'all knocking on my door is I get off work at like 9 or 8 in the morning. And she said, about the time I'm going to sleep, every Saturday, y'all are knocking on my door. She says, I work all night long. And she said, and it makes me so mad. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, you know what? We'll never knock on your door again. I said, every Saturday, we will be at your house at 1030. Okay? So when you get home from work, you can leave me a note on the door that says, hey, take out all this trash. Hey, if you don't mind, will you get the cobwebs out of my carport? Hey, will you cut the shrubs? I said, leave me a note, anything you want done, and say hi to me and we will do it. And she's like, are you serious? And I said, yeah. I said, but we won't knock on your door. We just want to serve you. And she said, deal. Every Saturday, she was at the door. We wouldn't knock on the door. I was, I'd be knocking down cobwebs with a broom, and she had opened the door and say hi to us. And we built this incredible relationship with this lady. This lady that <laughs> everybody else was scared to death of because she was going to kill us. And I tell you that story to say, there is a way into everybody's life. If we ever just put the effort, and it's not going and saying, well, you need Jesus. We're Christians, and you're shutting the door on God. You're going to go to hell, and I'm going to laugh at you. I'm going to laugh at you as you burn in hell. Yo, wicked lady. And she looked like Corella DeVille. She really did. She, she looked like she was burning the clothes off of my body. But we can get into every person's lives. We have to tear down the walls. We have to tear down the walls, this divided states of America. The church does. The church has to make a difference. You believe that? Do you believe that? Come on, will you stand with me for a moment? I'm going to ask you to do something. Will you join hands with the person standing next to you? You may not know them, but this is just a symbol. This is going to be a symbol as we pray this morning of unity. And I want you to pray for a couple things. I want you to pray for a divided church. And I want you to pray for a divided nation. And I want you to pray for divided families. Okay? God has called us to be the, the voice, to be His mouthpiece right now. And I don't believe that America's going to hell in a handbasket. I don't believe that at all. I believe that God 
the church of God, the kingdom of God is rising up. I believe that it's growing. I believe that it's getting stronger. And I believe that God is ready to do some incredible things. He's just setting all the puzzle pieces up. Do you believe that? Come on, I believe that. I believe that. And he's just waiting for the church to cry out and say, God, I'm ready. Here I am. Send me. Use me. Use me. Open the doors and use me, God. So as you, as you hold hands, as a sign of unity, I just want you to pray for our nation. Pray for the divided churches all over. Pray for all the churches you drive by to get here. Pray for them. Pray for their pastor. Pray for their congregation. Pray for their finances. Pray that they're blessed. Lift up our churches. Father, I pray right now, Jesus. God, you see the, the state that we're in as a nation, and I don't believe that it's all gloom and doom, Lord, but the picture that's painted, the perception that's forced down our throats, God, is not a pretty one. It's, it's not a, a one full of hope and excitement, God. Lord, but I know who you are, and I know that we win. I know that we've been victorious through you, Jesus. So, God, I pray right now for our nation. God, I pray for, for Donald Trump. I pray for Hillary Clinton. I pray, God, that you will surround them. I pray that you put men and women of faith in their life that will begin to lift them up, God. Lord, I pray that they begin to look to you for all the answers. God, I pray that, that somehow you begin to strategically put people in the White House, that you put people in the Senate, God, that you put people in the Supreme Court, Lord, who will look to you, God. Lord, we pray for America. We cry out, God, right now, not in despair, not because we feel like we're dying. God, but, but we believe that you have a plan. And so we, we thank you for that. God, I pray for the divided churches right now. I pray for the divided churches in Humble, in Houston, all over this area, in this nation. God, that we will recognize that we serve one God, and he's the God of all, and he's the Father in all. So I pray for our pastors, I pray for our elders, I pray for our churches, I pray for all the ministers, God, Lord, that you lift them up. God, I pray for every church's finances, those churches that feel like they're on the brink of shutting down, God, because they just can't make it. Lord, I pray right now that you just open up the windows of heaven and you put a blessing inside that church, Lord, that will just begin to bless them. Father, I pray for our families right now families that feel divided, that feel broken, that feel lost, that feel hopeless. God, that you lift them up, that you bring hope into every life and every situation. We thank you for this, God. We thank you that you're, you're the healer of all. We just give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. We give God a hand clap of praise. Come on, you believe that? You believe God can heal a nation? Amen. You may be seated this morning for just a moment. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for The Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to The Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.